What's up, guys? Welcome to eight, episode 36 of Beyond the Smokestacks. I am joined by my co-host, Christian. What's up, Christian? I'm tired, and I'm sore, and I'm grumpy, and I work with fucking children. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, CM Punk reference. Had that, had, it was an easy one. Sorry. And Dobby, what's good? Uh, just chilling, man. Uh, we didn't lose for the first time in, like, forever. Yes, yes. Joyous. Joyous reason to be to be happy about uh, this result. We are joined in episode 36 by our special guest, Juan Carlos of Fireside. What is going on? Hey guys, thank you for the invite. And, you know, and happy we didn't lose. Happy we picked up a point. Then, you know, going on forward. Yes, we move. <laughs> uh, so Juan Carlos, rapid fire questions. What? Let's get the listeners get, uh, get to know you a little bit. If they don't already listen to your podcast, who is your favorite current NYCFC player? Current uh, Santi Rodriguez. Very nice, very nice, Santi Rodriguez, the heir to the ten throne, left mm-hmm. by Maximiliano Morales, and some dude named Mix. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, the re- uh, so Santi is also like one of my favorites, but for no other reason than uh, there was like this thing on Twitter one time where it was like, tag your favorite footballer and see what happens. And, and, and I'm like, all right, Santi Rodriguez, what's up? And, he, and then he actually responded with, uh, you know, a, a blue heart and like a, 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 I think it was a salute emoji. So I was like, yeah, you're my favorite. <laughs> you're my guy. Yes. I mean, he's, he's had a, he's had a bit of a Jekyll and a Hyde season so far, but when he's good, he's good. Uh, yes. Extremely talented. 100%. Who is your favorite all-time NYCFC player? All-time? You know, it's between two. Sporting-wise, David Villa, I was, like, a big fan. But after what Tati did, like, with NYCFC, it has to be Tati. It has to be Tati. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm hoping that in four, just... in four years' time when the stadium gets built that there is a statue of Tati outside. Going like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. He also just he also just completed his first season in Europe today. Oh yeah, yeah. They lost to um Osasana. Was that a playoff game, by the way? No, no. That's just no. the final game of the season. So no. Osasuna is into the conference league with that one. Yeah, they're they're in La Liga. There is no playoff. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, no. Uh, I, I expect uh, the rumor is that he, he he's going to go for fifteen million this summer. I think that's way too fucking cheap. I wouldn't let that's that man go long. for. I wouldn't let that man go for anything less than twenty-five, especially considering what he's done this I, season, and 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 the upside that he has. So yeah, no, I'm not a fan I, of that. I, I think million. I think twenty. I think twenty-five is pushing. I think twenty is the sweet spot, personally. Uh, no, listen for what he listen. You, you don't sell a guy for that scored four goals against one of the most decorated clubs in in, in the world, if not the most decorated club in the world. And then, all, and also went on a like had a second half like like rivaled pretty much you know like like anything that we've seen in like recent memory outside of like the uh, the Messi Ronaldo era. I, I I mean like that that's just that what what he's done is and also he's like one of the top five goal scorers of all Argentinians in the top five leagues. So I mean it's not like like it's not like he's just like a decent striker like i mean he's exceptional and from a from a country that produces amazing players historically speaking and 
I, I, 20, I just, unless you're, unless you're attaching like some really good incentives to it, I, I don't know. I'm not comfortable with 20. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I mean, it doesn't really matter how much money we get because we have oil money. So. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not the money. It's I, I, the think, principle, Joe. I think we got it's it for like principle. under a million too when we first got him. So it's it, profit, it, by the way. It's the principle. Money. It's the principle of the situation. CF, <laughs> CFG in the money money laundering business since 1982. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Juan Carlos, favorite all-time kit, NYCFC kit? has to be the championship kit. Yeah. It has to be it, yeah. Bronx Blue? Bronx you mean? Blue. Bronx Blue, yeah, that one. Yeah, to... Let's just call it the championship kit. That, that, that's just so badass. Yeah, yeah. The, sig- the significance behind it, even though it's like a plain blue or like, you know, not really like anything special, but the championship itself, like it has to be that one. I think that's kind of why it's so popular, though, because the Bronx Blue gets a lot of shout outs, not just for being the kit that like we won a championship in, but also just being just a classic, like a classy, simplistic, less is more approach to like the NYCFC like formula. Because I mean, we've always had like blue as our home color, but and it's always kind of like uh, outside of the Interboro kit this year is always kind of like, uh, I don't want to say mimicked, but kind of like followed like. Closely it's it's the Man City by Man, Adidas. Uh, uh, cl- closely, like, like, has been, like, pretty close to the Man City kit, but, like, with, like, like the subtle features of, like, the striping and, like, the the monograms that are, like, are are kind of, like, pressed into the kit. Like, it's just, it, it's it's a gorgeous kit. Like, nobody can say it's an ugly kit. It's a beautiful kit. Absolutely. So, Juan it Carlos. Is, it, it's, it's Man City by Adidas. Let's call it a spade a spade. It's Man <laughs> City by Adidas. Uh, well... I, I wouldn't go that far. The 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 the, uh, the Bronx Blue kit is very special and, and, and unique in its own way. All right, let's, let's try this again. Juan Carlos, um, we want to hear, as well as our seven listeners, um, <laughs> we want to know <laughs> your NYCFC origin story. We want to know how you found this club, why you decided to become a credentialed member of the media of this club, why we continue to follow this club through the ups and the downs and the draws and the losses and the wins. And everything. So we'll give you the floor now to speak, and, and give us how you how you how we got to today. I mean, it's been a long road. I think it was like 2017, 2018. It was a chance to meet uh, the team like at the Adidas store in like Fifth Avenue. So I think I requested like tickets for it, right? Or like what I I think it was last minute. I forgot. But uh, I uh, DM'd the store asking if there was like still chance for me to get like you know the tickets. They were like, "Yeah, come by." Like, and I go. I I make the trip from Queens all the way over there, get to the store, and they're like, "You know, that's it. No more. <laughs> There's no more." Although they told me before I le- I left the house, they're like, "You know what? We assure you, we guarantee you that you have like tickets for the event." I get there and they tell me that. You know, there's no more. I come back, nothing happens. And like a day later, they messaged me again saying that I have to come back to please go back to the store. And it turns out that the team itself like left me two tickets for the derby that season. So and I went to the derby. I think we won like 2-1. David Villa scored like, I think the two goals or the three goals. I forgot, but... 
started everything. And then I think that was the three two game in which David Villa scored the hat trick, right? That was yeah, the one. Yeah, it should be that one. Yeah. Was that the game? You said 2017, right? Yeah, 2017, 2018. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it was the Via hat trick. That was that the yeah, game. Was, was that the game where where Dava Via scored three and and Bradley Wright Phillips scored two and it was <laughs> Dava yeah, Via that, three yeah. and Wright yeah, Phillips exactly. two. Yeah, yeah, and he turned Aaron Long like an absolute top. I, I remember <laughs> that game like very vividly. Yeah. Yeah. So like it was that one, and then you know, uh, then I went into the 24-hour game. The first two, or like those two events, I went and played for a little bit. Uh, then after that, um, continued. Didn't really follow the team as much, but I was like always like captain. Like, did all my records. Like, you know, are they winning? Are they losing? Of course, I took uh, Villa's departure like pretty hard. And after that came the chance to be like a credential member. Um, I was just. Um, I used to write on my blog. I still have it, but like I left it aside. I used to write on my blog and, you know, hoping for nothing. I was just like writing rants like about my soccer experiences or my analysis, Europe and stuff. And uh, every sports network, you know, one of the head reporters like just DM me on Twitter on like, I think it was 2019. And he was like, hey, come aboard and like, you know, cover NYCFC for my outlet. So, and it happened and. And on my first season, I think it was 2021, uh, 2020, 2021, my first season covering the team and the championship season happened and, you know, it was pretty wild. And I was like, you know what, uh, looking at all of that, like now, pretty blessed. And like, I don't think, I think every, everything has happened for a reason. And, and like, I owe NYCFC a lot of what I've gone through since the beginning. So like. No matter what happens, like I'll still like hold like this club in my heart, like for a very, very long time. So, were you a uh, were you a follower of the league in general prior to NYCFC coming into the league? To be honest, uh, yes. Uh, I used to follow the Red Bull when uh, Thierry Henry was here before NYCFC came up, because you know I was such a big fan of his when he was in Arsenal. Then he went to Barcelona. And then he came here, and then he played with, like, Rafa Marquez, you know. He's with Cahill as well. Yeah, so, yeah, so it was all of that. Then I used to play FIFA a lot with the Metro Stars when, you know, back in 2003, 2004. And I used to, you know, again, David Beckham a little bit, and, you know, Landon Donovan, and, like, you know, all of those classic players. The 2000s, like, really influenced me, like, but it wasn't until NYCFC and that ticket chance like came into my life that started like really following one team. Very cool. And uh, so obviously December 11th, 2021 is a memory and a moment that will live throughout all of us for the rest of our, our lives. Um, where were you on that day and what did it mean to you in particular? My goodness, I, <laughs> I wanted to be here in New York, but like, you know, I'm a, you know, I was helping out my parents at their store, like, in, in uh, where was it, PA? And I couldn't really, like, I had to watch it on my phone, like, at the store. <laughs> While all of that was happening, and I remember I was just with my, with my mom, like, thank God it, was, it wasn't a busy day at the store. <laughs> I was looking at the penalty shootout, like, on my phone, like, the front of the store, like, when Callens scored that last penalty, I just burst out into tears. I was like, 
Oh my goodness, you know, like I told you before, like coming from like a ticket, like by accident, you know, like all those years before, and then like given chance, like that first season to be a member of the media, and then for me to actually be part of that championship season, I was like, oh my goodness, and yeah, it was everything just came down, and I was like. I'm so lucky. I was blessed. I was like, really? In my first season, for me to cover the championship season of this team, like, it was great. It was amazing. Like, you know. You, you, you are very lucky because the rest of us, we'd have to suffer through six years of fucking playoff heartbreak <laughs> just oh, to no. get to that seventh season and win. What's the game that we, we lost by, you know, own goal at City Field? <laughs> it was a penalty kick. It was the Pozuelo. Wait, was it? Play, was wait, 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 playoff game know. with the own goal? Or just a game? No. Who scored? Like, there, there's the game that I remember that, like, we lost to the last minute. Yeah, Yo, like, yeah, yeah, City Field. City 2019, yeah, 2019 Toronto playoffs. Yeah, yeah that, that, that one. Yeah, Matarita. Matarita, right? Yeah. I think all three of us were at the game, no? We just didn't I, know, like, I was I, each other at the time. I, I was in the press box on the opposite side of the field, and I saw it from a mile away. I was like, well, Joe, that's Joe, Joe, where, where were you that day? 336? 337? Uh, I was at 131. I was at 131, like, like mo and most of the view was covered by the fucking foul pole. <laughs> I was sitting next to the Toronto fans, and they just fucking went crazy when, when Pozuelo chipped it in. I've never felt more sick to my stomach than when I left the stadium that day. That was bad. Um, <laughs> trust me, I wasn't really following the team at that time, but like that, the feel like hurt. I was like, I wasn't really a invested fan per se, but that the way we lost that game, I was like, wow, hurt. Yeah, really it, it, it sucked. That that day is uh, one of the darkest hours in NYCFC history, in my opinion, and yeah, just not 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 a good time. At all, and I, think, I, 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 I think the Schlegel one hurt more. To be honest, That's nah, you know what the thing is, the Schlegel one didn't even hurt as much because it wasn't that in twenty twenty. Like twenty twenty was just a year that I kind of just wanted to get through anyway. Yeah, like yeah, but it, was, it was fucking, it was fucking embarrassing. You can't even score a penalty past the left back playing goalkeeper. So, it's fucking embarrassing. You know what the thing is, like the thing about the Orlando game. If I had more time to chew on it, like if we hadn't won like the cup the next season, it probably would stick out as a lot more aggravating but considering the fact that we dicked around orlando like that see what, what, what did we beat we didn't, didn't we beat them like five nil or something like that like that oh, yeah we, like, we beat them five nil yeah uh, yeah and then like to go on and win the cup at, like and have like two penalty shootouts en route to winning it like i don't know like i that that just doesn't stick out as much the, the reason why 2019 is such a fucking like nycfc tragedy in my opinion because that was our be best season to, the, to date and, yes, and it still is because because Do dome got a 64 points that year Hmm. Silence. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, if, if he wants to like cut me off and steal my thunder, it was going to come about the court. I mean, that, that's it. I mean, dude, dude, dude. Like ninety-nine percent of the podcast are you just ranting, all right? Relax, relax, relax. relax. You two, take the skirts off. I mean, bro. it's not like I'm just like regurgitating what Joe says. So I mean, you know. Like, all right. You know, so okay. this seems like a good point ever because uh, things are getting testy. Let's uh, let's Ooh. jump into New England Revolution nil nil. In front of 22,203, which is the largest attendance for a, a home revolution match since August 20th, 2017, which was a 2-1 win 
against the revolution. So attendance numbers seem to be rising, which is good. Um, wait, 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 wait. What did you say? Second highest? Uh, largest since. Not the second highest. Large, that, oh. That's our largest since, 2000, since 2017. Yeah, no. Probably 43,000. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that but was a lot. Just yeah. this was our this was the largest uh, largest uh, fans crowd since we played the Revolution. This is I'm only counting Revs games, just Revs games. This is our largest Rev game attendance since 2017. Okay, got it. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so the, uh, it brings our record against the Revs at home to five wins, three losses, three draws all time. Um, so we still have a slight edge against them when playing at home and by at home i mean in the five boroughs inside of a baseball stadium <laughs> not when we play them <laughs> at red bull arena during the pandemic or any other time um yeah so uh i don't really have a lot of game notes written down because this game was largely innocuous and the game ended no nil so there wasn't really any assists or goals to talk about so how do we feel about this match let's start with our our guest juan carlos how do we feel about this Nil-nil draw against the New England Revolution. Like I was saying before, I think it was a pretty good result. You know, the recent defeats, like, really hurt. Um, and you said yourself, like, uh, New York City should be, or, like, was, or is, our fortress, you know. We remain strong, like, teams used to be, like, teams uh, used to be scared to play here because, like, we always get wins. Again, not perfect, you know, soccer is all about winning, but, like, again, if anything should be, like, how can I say, constant or, like, should we should keep, like, um, consistency of should be, like, the home strength. Like, you know, we have to be strong at home. We got to win the points at home. But, um, again, I know the fans, I know, like, most of us, like, won team to win but a draw is better than a defeat at this point yeah absolutely um i mean yeah i mean but it's it's definitely an indictment on where we are currently that we are <laughs> i guess happy ish that that we're drawing at home rather than losing that's i mean that i think that's a big talking point is that yeah, we t- we tied, we drew zero zero, but like that. I mean, is that really a reason to be happy? Yeah, we get a point on the table, but Cause, for now, yeah, because other seasons, like if you look at a nil nil draw at Yankee Stadium, you're like, "Fuck, man, we should have won that game." It's like it's a disappointment, but now it's like with with the terrible run of form that we're in, and we're winless in our last eight. Now it's like at least we didn't lose, especially to have a nil nil. I think. Fans and even supporters and even members of the media probably, when when there's a game at Yankee Stadium, you're expecting fireworks. You're expecting like NYCFC is going to score goals. We score goals at home. We win at home. That happens mm-hmm. often, more often than it doesn't happen. So to to, to every, right. for, for twenty two thousand people to be at, at a, on a beautiful day, it was ch- although chilly, chilly day in the Bronx. It was, it was chilly. It was chilly. It was chilly. But for 22,000 people to, to sit there and watch two teams struggle to score for 90 minutes and, and come out with a 0-0 draw is a little bit disheartening. Like it, usually, you're, usually you usually go there expecting fireworks. And well, it's it, well, it's better than our biggest attended game at City Field being treated to a 3-1 fucking yeah. disaster class to Philly. Yes, but I'm, I'm trying to uh, move on from that. 
because I, I we just I, at the end of the day we just want our team to win. We want our team to win. We want we want to slowly creep crawl our way out of the basement of the Eastern Conference because that's where we are right now. We're in we're in the bottom three of the Eastern okay. of the Eastern Conference. Well, we we did go up one position. We did so. See again, not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but three well, points. Well, well, I mean, well, now, just, now for now, for now, I'm not saying like yeah, overall. But, but now, but now that gap between us and the last playoff spot is four points. So yeah, and and Joe, um, I was there early enough. I was listening to Joe Tollefson talk with Troy Press uh, at during pregame um, on on the uh, big screen in, in, in the stadium, and Joe was talking about how like there was a I, forget, I don't remember the exact number, but he was like, oh, there's a certain amount of points separating. Uh, the the 15th place team in the east with like the eighth place team in the east it was like a very it was like maybe like three four five points or something like that and he's like oh if we, like there's not that many points separating us if we can just find a way to to win we can we can launch up but I was like yeah I was like but even, I was like what happens if we win and and like most of the teams that are in front of us also win then it becomes like we're just continuously chasing them we're not we're not passing them we have to we have to win and hope that people lose now we don't control our own destiny at this point. Um, because we have to hope that other people start to run through a bad stretch of form to start leapfrogging them in the standings. If we just keep, if everyone just keeps winning, we're just going to chase each other and not move. But um, Christian, how, how do we feel about this this zero zero draw? Well, first off, uh, before I get into like anything about the match, uh, Joe has been a proponent of more afternoon games due to uh, like having like more attendance and more families able to you know come out as opposed to seven uh, like a 730 kickoff which would you know it's probably the crowd will start dispersing around like 930 ish mm-hmm. it's not a little bit later uh, uh, I, I at one point thought that yeah maybe that would be a better idea uh, after yesterday I do not think it's a good idea <laughs> like I, I, yesterday I, I discovered how much I actually dis like fucking children <laughs> um, but uh uh so i'm that people are gonna think i'm an asshole for that but um you know it, it it's it's all good uh i i mean everybody I, I hope everybody had a good time uh so on to the actual match uh first half i mean it was okay uh i thought we were the better team in the first half so i mean i, I guess that's an improvement over what we've been seeing um it, it still didn't yield any goals, uh, which was unfortunate and very frustrating to watch. But um, considering the pace uh, of, of play uh, that we were at and, you know, the, the way that we were actually linking up in the uh, final third for once, I was, you know, expecting the second half uh, to be much better and, and you know, yield at least a goal. Uh, unfortunately, the team just came out of the locker room and instead of looking rejuvenated and energized and ready to take the bull by the horns and, you know, and, 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 and grab the three points that they so deserved up to that point, they completely fell off a cliff in terms of uh, production and, and, you know, and build up and just and cohesiveness. It just everything just looked very disjointed in the second half. Um, Typically, um, I think Andrew brought it up uh, when he was on here. You typically you expect teams to grow into games and get better as the game goes on, especially if you've been the dominant team for, you know, so like, like X amount of time. We grew out of this game, and by the end of it, I was very, very frustrated. Now, uh, on the bright side, it, it's a point, um, uh, and we didn't lose the game, uh, but. You know these things are you know like like you, it, it it's hard to look at this match as an isolated match given the 
you know, how this team has performed in the last eight games, all competition. And this contextually speaking, this result doesn't make me feel much better because we were so relieved to end a terrible road trip, a terrible road stretch with a point at Orlando. And we were so anxious to get back to the, to home and what was supposed to be, you know, a triumphant return against some stiff competition, but a three game home, home stretch seemed to be exactly what the doctor ordered for this team. And to only take one point out of those three games, it just, it doesn't, I mean, even if even if we had won it, three points isn't enough. But one point definitely isn't enough. And I just, I, I hate to say it, but my feelings about this team just like going into yesterday haven't changed on the other side of it. It's it, it, it's still an incredibly frustrating result. Uh, it's still, it, it, we are still far behind where we should be, in my opinion, in terms of the players that we have on this team at our disposal, because you can argue that we don't have enough depth and that would be correct. Uh, however, I would also argue that the talent on this team is, uh, should be giving us way more than 13th place in the East. And I still think that Cushing is a problem. I am not on, uh, like, I know like this is a very controversial topic in NYCFC, uh, fandom right now, whether Cushing in or Cushing out. I'm still Cushing out. I don't think he motivates anybody, and I don't think that he really knows what the hell he's doing. Um, I, I, I didn't particularly, and I think a big indictment of that is not just you know the results, but also the fact that in a game where you're outplaying one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference in the first half, you come out worse in the second half. Like what was said, what was discussed at halftime that. <laughs> that just completely derailed any momentum that we had. And I just, uh, I mean, my girlfriend did attend. That was nice. It was her second match uh, and she had a great time, but I just, I, I, I'm not, I'm not feeling too hot right now. I, I have to admit it. And, and being ran into by everybody's children didn't make me feel any bit better about it yesterday either. Which, which stadium does she prefer city or Yankee? Uh, I actually think she had more fun at Yankee Stadium, actually. But I think that's also, we also didn't lose three to one. So, I mean, you know, there's that. So I, I have to take her to a game at City Field where we actually win. So we'll see. To be determined, I'll say for now. Davi, what do we think of the 0-0 draw against New England at Yankee Stadium? I mean, I, I, I think I think Cushing has saved his lifeline for you know. I think he lives to die another day. I think I think if the, if this was a loss at home, that would have been three losses in a row at home. Which, if I'm not mistaken, I think that would have been the first time in franchise history that we we, we would have lost three games in a row at home. Yes. It would have um, been. Yes. I, I, yeah. 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 I, th I think it would have been fired, straight up. I I think probably this morning or tomorrow morning we we'll probably see a tweet by the club that says NYCFC and Nick Cushing have decided to part ways. And then there's a and then there'll be a link to a little article with a picture of Nick Cushing's resting bitch face on the sideline, crossing his crossing his arms, watching the game with no emotion and no passion. Um I I think he saved himself. I think if he loses 
on Saturday uh, against RSL, which there is a very high possibility that he does. If you look, if you look at it from a historic standpoint and uh, from based off the lineup that we're gonna we're gonna have to play next week, uh, there is a very high chance that he loses that game, and that could possibly be his final game. But um, there was improvement. There was improvement. Um, a, a lot of similarities between this game and the last two home games where uh, we start off really well in the first half. Start off really well within the first half hour. If Philly, we get the goal. Gabby Pereira brilliantly tucked into the corner. Uh, and then Cincinnati, unlucky that uh, uh, Gabby's goal uh, was disallowed off a ghost fucking uh, ghost push. Uh, fucking Mosquera felt the Holy Spirit and decided to fall down on the ground like he was at fucking church. Um, and then that, that, that goal gets disallowed. Um, so, uh, yeah, similarities, but yet again, the, like there's just a lack of finishing. We, we had chances there. Richie hit the post. Uh, Petrovic made an incredible save um, to deny Gabriel Pereira uh, from, from a goal that was going into the top corner. And, um, you know, we really kept New England out of the game for the most part in that first half. Uh, Bobby Wood did get on the score sheet, but it was offside. Uh, Cheneau, uh was wrong-sided. Uh, lucky for him that Bobby Wood was standing in an offside position and uh, in a very poor shot that beat Barraza at his near post. Um, that, that, that's very poor. You should be saving that shot regardless. Whether it's onside or offside, you, you, sh- you should be saving that. It's a, literally just a pass to the near post that Barraza should be saving. Lucky for us, it doesn't count. And, you know, we go into the half at, at zeros. Uh, I, th- I think we, we, we definitely left uh, two extra points on the table yesterday. Uh, I mean, y- y- you could say we, we, we've been getting unlucky with the, with the offside goal. Um, or, or not the offside, the goal that's been wrongly disallowed on Wednesday and Richie hitting the post and Petrovic making saves out of his skin. But at the same time, it's like, we we expect the team to create chances, especially at home. Um, this home stand ultimately was a failure. One point out of a possible nine. That, that, that's that's very poor. I know it's very tough to play against teams like Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and New England, all of them who are in the top four in the East, by the way. Um, it's just very poor because you expect NYCFC to win two out of the three at bare minimum. Uh, like that's our identity. Our identity is that we play very, very well at a baseball stadium on the small one ten by seventy pitch, and get some points on the road, and then we we finish high up in the in the East in the standings. That's 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 our identity. And now that you know we we end the the horrible road form with one point at Orlando, which that's the first time Cushing has escaped the sack, and then now here again with another nil nil draw where he's basically escaped the sack again. Uh, that, that's yet to be determined because NYCFC likes to announce things two days after a game. So who knows? Maybe tomorrow morning, by the time you're hearing this, maybe Nick Cushing is fired. I, I highly doubt it, but you never know. Um, yeah, it's slight improvement, but there's still a long way to go. And ultimately, it's a, it's a failure. And we're, uh, I, I'm still disappointed in how this team has played in the last eight games with zero wins. Yeah, so in terms of my opinion, um, knee-jerk reaction yesterday was I was I was not 
I was not okay with with walking away with a nil nil draw. Now, and I'm not saying that I'm that I have become okay with walking away with a nil nil draw, but looking at um, New England's form leading into this game with back to back three three draws, they were their their, their goal scoring was was at in peak form, um, but they were not they were conceding goals at an alarming rate as well. Um, Petrovic on on every app I, I've looked at got man of the match for new england like he 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 was him yesterday he he showed why he's the heir to the matt turner throne um in new england and he showed why he's probably not going to be in new england for too much longer either probably he's probably gonna get sold somewhere to europe because he he's got it he's got the stuff he's a good keeper he makes he makes he makes the easy saves and he makes most of the hard saves look easier than they probably should be did he rob Gabby Pereira upper 90? Yes. Was it a fantastic save? Yes. Um, did he make other routine saves? Absolutely. Um, should we have maybe probably, should we have probably converted a few of our chances that we had um, on Petrovic? Yeah. I mean, there was definitely a, a couple breakaways that, that were inside the 18 yard box that we probably should have buried and put away. Um, but he did what you need, what you need a goalkeeper to do. Keep you in the game. Don't lose you the game. Keep you in the game. Keep them at nil and hope that you can find a way to win. Barraza did the same. Granted, I, I, I do agree with, with Davi that, that the, the offsides goal, I think, we, I mean, thank God he was in an offsides position because that goal was soft and ended up in the back of the net. Barraza didn't really have much to do outside of, 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 of outside of that offsides goal. Um, he didn't have to make a whole bunch of saves. Um, he did, I think he did make a couple. Anybody have a number on how many on how many saves he made in this match? I think it was like two. Two, yeah. So not, yeah, two saves. I, not I a lot. Not, so. not a lot of work. Um, but I mean, a, a clean sheet is a clean sheet. It's what what we ask of our goalkeepers: keep us in the game, keep him at nil. It's only his second of the season. Yeah, it's his second second clean sheet of the season. Uh, am, am I saying that? I think Brazza's like locked up the spot. No, I I think that he's had a very. He's also had a very. No, actually, I, I can't even say Jekyll and Hyde season because. Like he's he's never been he, at no point do I in my opinion do I think he's been phenomenal at any point in any game, um, where he's like oh my god this guy needs to be the star, starting goalkeeper of this club no absolutely not um, I think that that um, he's had a lot a long run of games here um, and he has not cemented that he should be the goal, the GK one um, I think that Matt Freeze should be given a elongated look. Um, at some point this season, do, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But should, do I think it should happen? Yeah, um, more than just a. Lo- I, I, I think we'll we'll see more of him in Leagues Cup. Yeah, but I mean, I, I just the way the way that we we on this podcast we reserved our opinion on Barraza until he gave us a body of work. I, I think, and I think we said like five to eight games was our was our our, our beginning point. The first five to eight games of the season, we're going to be like, okay, we that that'll give us an idea of what, what we're getting from Barraza. Um, so I think that we also need to see Freeze play for five to eight games before we develop an opinion on what he can provide this club. Um, did, uh, did he concede three goals in that in, the, in that home match with a surprise start? Yes. Uh, were two of them unsavable? Yes. <laughs> one of them was upper ninety um, off of uh, off of the run of play, and the other one was bar down almost borderline upper ninety off of a set piece. Um, very hard to save those. Should he have done better in the set piece? Maybe positioning could have been better. The the wall could have, I mean just a bunch of stuff could have been better. Um, and then the PK, like I mean, yet we want like like a goalkeeper to step up and, and make a save, um, but that can't be the expectation every single time someone steps up to a PK. But we, I had I had optimism that maybe he makes the save on a PK because he made a save in a PK in preseason. Um, 
But I'm I'm just we need we need wins in the worst way right now. Um, we need three points. We need a reason to be optimistic about this team. Nil nil doesn't exude optimism as as a result. It, it's like it almost wish like it, it's almost like it didn't happen. You wish you weren't there. It's like why why like what ninety minutes of uh of it's like this is the perfect game for what people complain about like like why soccer is not fun. It's like oh, if I'd rather if Americans, yeah. If I'm if I'm gonna watch two teams struggle to score for ninety minutes, like I'll go watch my buddy try to hit on girls at the bar or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, anytime you can you can steal a point from your an Eastern Conference foe, um, it's it's a good thing. Um, so that that is a positive. But we I, like going into this weekend. It's an away trip at RSL. We've never won at RSL before. We'll talk about that more in the preview, but. This is going to be a big match for Cushing because uh, he, he can't just lose every match on the road and get points at home. You have to find a way. We are one of two teams in the Eastern Conference who has yet to register an away victory. And we are one of, I think, four teams in MLS who has yet to register an away victory. You have to find a way to get points on the road. So I think Nick Cushing's judgment day might be coming here in the next few matches. If he doesn't start collecting wins, he might be out of a job. I have a, I have a question for the three of you guys. If we if we go to RSL and we get and we lose, no matter no matter what the difference is, we we go and lose that game. Do you do you think that is, that is it? Do you think it is time to chop cushing off the block and then just essentially get an interim head coach or start looking for a head coach? I think I think it's a result dependent. Uh, I mean to me itself. Like in general, I would say worst case scenario, like give him until the all star break. Actually, make a decision as to if he's in or out, because most teams use that break, that week off, to actually make any changes in terms of managers. From what I've seen in the last couple of seasons, so if it comes to that, you know, I think they might just want to wait until that all star break if were to be the case i mean the team itself I mean, right, but right after ahead. that all-star break leagues cup starts and then we, and then we don't have another mls game until the end of Jan- uh, end of uh, august uh yeah. yeah i think that's the point i think that's the point like you like like, like that that one cross you're trying to make like that that's the time where you can get an a manager in uh, like, like I'm, I, I'm, this isn't necessarily my view but uh and juan carlos correct me if i'm wrong but like your opinion would be like wait until the all-star game uh and i guess you can call it the all-star break I, then whenever i say all-star break i always think baseball. Break, but, yeah, uh, yeah but uh, um uh you know wait wait until then get, then you can make a decision about whether or not you want to keep manager in or or you know kick him to the curb because then you have time to get a replacement give him a few upstart games with the league's cup a, yeah. a chance to get his feet wet in games that don't particularly matter uh, and and then you know have him have ample time to get the boys together and, and route the season. But but, he, but yeah. here's the thing: after League's Cup, we only have ten regular season games. After that, yes, Barton, most of them are at home, but still ten regular season games. And if we keep continuing on this downward trajectory that we're in, we're not going to have. We're probably not even going to have enough time to turn it around and try and get into the playoff spot that that that's my theory if you well, keep him up until mid-july like you essentially fuck your your next manager or your interim manager with an impossible job after that well i mean so 
every result that we don't get leading up to the, the, the all-star break is going to dig us in a further deeper hole to get to dig ourselves out of or to get out of. Um, if we keep dropping points and, and pick, or only picking up draws and getting and getting one point while other teams just continue to, 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 to push further and further away from us, it's going to take these playoff spots out of striking distance. And it's going to make it harder. So like maybe those last 10 games, if we continue to lose and draw leading up to that the, the all-star break, it's going to make it so that we might have to win like seven out of 10 in that, in that home stretch just to get a playoff spot. Does that make sense? Like, so it, it's going to make it yeah, exactly. almost, yeah, so, almost insurmountable, but not improbable. Damn, that's damn, damn near impossible. It, it, it is, but, it, it, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's just how, if we, if we wait, the, the longer we wait, the more the, probably not guaranteed, but probably the harder it's going to be to make up those points in the, in the home stretch. But what you said, I mean, back to the whole Yankee that's, Stadium that's, that's and City Field are now. a I fortress. Although I think some, I think some of those games at the end of the season are going to be at Red Bull Arena, um, which we, we don't particularly play well one, there. As the one, home one or two, one or two of them, one or two of them. Yeah. So the, the last two, I think the last two are going to be at Red Bull. Yeah. We don't finish at home at Yankee Stadium. No, no. One, one of them is guaranteed at Red Bull. The other one, it depends on the. On um, if the Yankees or the Mets make the playoffs and they're deep in their run, so it depends. But I, one of them is definitely at Red Bull. I can see validity in both points. I can see the validity in waiting until the All Star break to to get a new, new person in, or maybe like we, it could be a new person, in, or it could be another caretaker manager and allow allow Cleberson or Bartugian Bar- or, or Manny Bellucci to to be a caretaker manager for the remainder of the season. Um, okay, so again, then. Like let's say we're into the, you know, transition or like cushing out, as you guys say, who comes in? I, I honestly don't see any manager. Like, well, as of well, as of this moment, Christian, as of this moment, there are two managers, American or I shouldn't say American, but there are two managers available at this moment that have not been snatched up by anybody. One of them is the one that Christian's about to say, which is Tata Martino, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I I mean I I would say Tati Martino yeah but, and, and, uh, and I think the other one that you brought uh, up I, yesterday was Dominic Turan right I, I did say Dom I've said oh, Dominic Turan in on a few episodes now yeah okay so I, I didn't know that Dominic was available but so do you have, so now you have three you have Dome you have you have Tata and the third I mean this one's probably gonna be not gonna be it's gonna be an unpopular one but he is available I believe is Caleb Porter yeah no I'm good thank you yeah yeah fuck no no, <laughs> uh, um, no so here's the thing uh. So there's, so me personally, I want to see him out right now. I don't want to give him any more time. I've seen enough. I'm done. My patience is worn thin. Um, like uh, taking one point in a three game home stretch is like where all the games are either in City Field or Yankee Stadium. Like like if like two games are at Red Bull Arena, or it was like a mishmash of one game's at Red Bull Arena, one game's at City Field, and one game's at Yankee Stadium. You know, then it would be like, okay, this is like a little bit chaotic, you know. So, you know, maybe that's like, maybe you hold reserve judgment on that one. Uh, but they were all on baseball I, I, fields. That's the thing. I, that's the point I just made, Dobby. Thank you for reiterating. Um, I, I, my thing is, so right now I want him out right now. But the thing is, I also like, listen, people are going to call me a snob for saying this. I'm not really interested in seeing Medi Bellucci take over this club. I'm not really interested and seeing Cleberson take over this club or Vertugian or anybody else in our stable of coaches right now, the coach that needs to come in needs to be somebody with a CV. 
in my opinion, or else I, I, I or I just don't care to see it. Uh, it. It needs to be a coach that the players are going to respect, because we because you have to remember, yeah, a guy like Caleb Porter or Medi Bellucci or Rob Virgugian might be fine to a, a team made up of like guys who have spent the better part of. 10 years in MLS, yeah, it might look good to them, but with a team like ours that has so many import, like, like how many of our, how many of our actual starting 11 are MLS products? Luis Barraza and who else? Uh, Tavon Gray? That's about it. And, and Kevin O'Toole? Uh, yeah, yeah not, not, and all these guys are at the bottom end of the NYCFC totem pole in terms of not just talent, but also I would say influence in the locker room. Uh, there needs oh, to be no and, and James uh, Sands. Yeah, I was going to well, say. Well, Sands, sure. Yeah, yeah, Sands. Uh, he's the exception, not the rule. Unfortunately, this thing. Uh, yeah, most of it, mo- most of it is imports and young imports at that, like Michi Ilinich and Alex Magno and Santa Rodriguez and Gabby Pereira and you know, or, or guys like Tiago Martinez who have played in pretty much every single corner of the world. It seems like um, I like like and. If you're like one of those young players, like you want to be led by somebody who who has the acumen and has the body of work that proves that they not only know how to win, but they can lead you through this poor form and and optimize your your performance. And like Tata Martino, like I, I know Juan Carlos kind of grimaced at that thing. Tata Martino is an MLS Cup winner. Uh, and like with one of the most impressive teams that 2018 uh 2017 which was was it was it 2017 2018 i think it was 2018 right 18 18 18 yeah yeah that, yeah that 2018 atlanta united team was an extremely impressive team with tons of talent on it and Tots martino has you know has managed barcelona the argentinian national team he was kind of set up to fail at mexico mm-hmm. because mexico what wasn't isn't good. I hate to say that because he Mex- also took Uruguay to the quarterfinals of the World Cup as well. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, like, like, like. I'm sorry, like that. Me- I, I've said it a few times. I think I've even said it once in this pod that Mexican team, their best players are old, and their young players are bust. Diego Linas is not good. Chucky Lozano is overrated and has never become the player that he was supposed to be. But let's, that's just a fact. That's not even an opinion at this point. Uh, and and they don't really have a golden generation behind them. Uh, Funes Mori couldn't hit water if he fell out of a fucking boat. Uh, well, it's, uh, and, and David been injured to that World Cup. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but I mean, even when he hasn't been injured, he's been less than impressive. Uh, mm-hmm. He he has not been impressive. Like I remember that one game he had against the U.S. I think it was in the Gold Cup, which like I think he, I think it was harder to miss as many chances as he did than it was than it was to actually like accidentally score one. Um, so, but anyway, my point is. It needs to be somebody who's going to have influence over that locker room. Because I really feel that that's like, listen, people can say that there's no, like, um, I really don't care what Stephen Turnbull has to say about the situation of the locker room, like right now. I just don't care for it. Uh, we have on record players having dissent against Cushing and his in-game management and the way he manages this team, and he's lost the locker room or at least a part of it. And if you don't have all of it, you don't have it. So. There, it needs to be a, an established coach that you bring in. So, on one hand, I want him fired right now. On the other hand, if you're going to fire him, you better have a replacement lined up. Because I'm sorry, I do not see Medi Bellucci or Virtual Yin or Cleberson or anybody else on our staff currently as an upgrade over Cushing. 
because they both come in into the job with as much experience as Cushing had when he first came into the job, and that is zero. Vartugian has experience. Not as a man, not as a head coach. Where as a head coach? But Where? No, but as as a like he's has MLS experience. The reason the whole thing against what, what Cushing, I, the whole thing I, the whole thing the whole thing against Cushing is is that he only had experience coaching women in Manchester. He doesn't he didn't okay. know this league. Okay, okay, that's great. I don't want Vertugian either. I want a head coach with a CV. Being a, graduating from a goalkeeper coach to an assistant at NYCFC does not impress me. I'm sorry. Call me a snob if you want. It's it's not it's, it, it's not what I think think is going to is going to make things better. You need somebody in with acumen and about, a resume. Mar- Marcelo Gallardo. But, I mean, is that is that is that wishful thinking or is that like actually somebody who can actually be in the running and would want the job? I mean, he, he was I, I, I don't. I don't want really to at the end of December. I don't want to talk about hypotheticals either. Like, I don't want to be like some of those NYCFC supporters who still think that Pep Guardiola is going to step through the doors one day. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I want somebody who's realistic and actually would have interest in the job. Tata Martino, we know, has interest in the job because he oh, has been he's been raving about the fucking league for the last month to the press, and he want and he just turned down a job at Boca, and even after that, was still talking about how he loves the MLS and wants to come back. And Boca is a massive job in South America, arguably one of the biggest you can take. Uh, and no, but that, that's rent. pressured. Boca is a lot of pressure. It's a like, lot of pressure, but the thing is, I he would, like, I, I don't think he'd, he'd re- really manage too much issue. Davi's going to have a problem with it, but fuck River Plate. Uh, you know, like, I'm sorry, like, <laughs> Boca, Juniors, Boca Juniors should never <laughs> be finishing anywhere lower than second in that fucking league. So, I mean, like, he, he'd be fine, and, and, and he'd probably... Oh, gate him, I'd be happy. Uh, yeah, he'd be fine. Dome Turen took MLS calls and was happy to listen to any MLS job offer that came through. He took a job in Brazil instead. The only uh, reason he left is because he fucking hated that piece of shit that's uh, Gio Reyna. Uh, no, Claudio Reyna. No, oh, not yeah, Gio Claudio, Reyna. Claudio. My, 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 my yeah. bad, Gio. My bad. Claudio. Uh, uh, but no, like, like that's somebody who's currently unemployed who I think now that Claudio Reyna's no longer in the picture could realistically be called and maybe consider taking the job. Especially like with a blank canvas as this team is, as opposed to taking over mid like, like like mid season when he did from Vieira, where like it was it was kind of a team in transition, but it was also a team that was kind of almost at its peak, but just needed one or two pieces. So I I mean, yeah, I mean, I, it just it has to be someone. I'm I, I'm not going to be interested if I hear that like he's being fired and we just installed another Patrick fucking Vieira. interim coach. I don't want to see Patrick Vieira again. Yeah, where is Vieira? Where, where is Vieira right now? Uh, he's just got fired. He, he's from Palace, he's but, unemployed. But I'm I'm good. I don't want to see that again. I don't want to move that far backwards. I'd rather much, much more moved either into the future or back to a time where we're actually great. Patrick Vieira. We always looked good under Patrick Vieira, but I would argue that we mm-hmm. never like really a really great team under him. Is we Pier- were a great team. Where's Pirlo coaching right now? And that's no, what I was gonna say. What if no. I was gonna say that right now? No. Again, again. What if I know you guys don't like superstition? Frank Lampard. He, he kept uh, no, Chelsea no. and Everton in the prem. No, no, no. What if they bring in Pirlo? What if they're talking to Pirlo? What if? No, I don't want to see that either. Pirlo's not a good coach. <laughs> He's proven that he couldn't even do that at Juve. I mean, that's a massive failure. And Lampard just. He's not a good coach either. So. Well, well that, that was his first ever job, and he was just thrusted in there. Yeah, uh, but sorry. 
Okay, that's great. Go manage somewhere else and get your experience. Not here. I don't want to be a fucking. I don't. I, I don't want to be a crash test dummy either for Pirlo's <laughs> coaching aspirations. I mean, but if you were to uh, put me between Lampard and Pirlo, I would give Pirlo a chance. To be honest, I, I mean, I've seen some people say they want Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to take over. Oh, stop! <laughs> With these fucking weird, fucking like fantasy booking, like Babe Ruth versus Mike Tyson shit. Like, like I don't care for it. No, Ole's never gonna come here. So I uh I decided to make to go back and look and, and get give an updated version of what Nick Cushing's record is with NYCFC and across all competitions. From the moment he took over as interim up until current day, him being the full fledged manager as of this weekend. He has a record of fifteen wins 18 losses and 10 draws. That's not good. 35% win percentage. He's gotten a draw 42 or he's gotten a loss 42% of the time and a draw 23% of the time. You add those two numbers together and 65% of the time under Nick Cushing and YCFC has come away with one or zero points. Ouch. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that, that, that's, that's numbers that gets you, that gets you fired in Europe. Well, I don't want to compare Europe. They, they get too far anywhere in the world. So I mentioned, I don't remember if it was the last pod or if it was just in one of our post-game discussions, you can't really compare us to Europe because unlike Europe, there is always going to be a suitor for a job in the Premier League. There is always going to be a suitor for a job in the Bundesliga and in Syria and in La Liga and so on and so forth. There's always going to be somebody who's willing to step into that job who like, like has a decent enough track record to where you can justify it. Here, there's nobody, there's no coaches in the world, around the world. Like, like there's no, like, like, uh, like, like uh, I'm sorry, like, Will still isn't like, you know, I'm loving what I'm doing at Stade de right now, but you know what I would, job would really entice me? New York City Football Club and MLS. Like, like, there's nobody like that. So the thing is, you can't really fire coaches as willy-nilly here as you can in Europe or in South America. Like, 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 because there's just, there's not enough interest. I hate and I hate to say that, but it's true. And I think anybody who, like anybody who would say otherwise, lacks self awareness. Like lacks self awareness. Like yeah, you'll get a bunch of upstarts and everything like that. But when you're in a market like New York that just you know that desires to win, you, you know you're not looking for a guy who's just looking to cut his teeth and everything like that. I mean, I mean, at least not the fan, the fan base isn't. Well, so right. here, but here's the here's the other problem with with I know that I know your philosophy on who you want. You, so you're, the problem with that is is that well, my philosophy is only based on who's realistic right now. No, uh, but like, also I, the, I there, there's certain guys that you would that you that you have predisposition towards not liking who would do well with this club. Like, like I'm, who? I'm, I'm, throwing, I'm not saying they're available, but like play, like coaches in the mold of them: Peter Vermees, Bruce Arena, Bob Bradley. Guys, Peter Vermees has not had a good time right now. I know, not right now, but if you look at if you look at his CV, it's very impressive. He's been I mean, longevity at SKC ridiculous. Bob Bob Bradley's won pretty much every almost everywhere he's been, other than his current position right now, and and I guess at LA when he when he got can't. But every every manager gets sacked. Show me manager, show me manager that, that hasn't gotten sacked at one point in their career. Every manager gets sacked. Pep Guardiola. That's one. He's I, I, he's he's the exception. He's not he's the exception to the rule. Um, but every, everybody gets fired. Everybody gets fired eventually because it because it, it, the reason why because the reason why managers get sacked is because of results. And Sir Alex and with people sacked. saying that Cushing shouldn't be sacked 
and he should be given chances during the transfer window. Managers get sacked because of results. He has well, won well, 15 times in 43 tries. That's bad. So, so me, per, so so I, I think like the way I would like wrap up like what I think. In my, if I'm in, like, I don't know if it's David Lee who makes the decisions or if there's somebody above him, maybe, uh, maybe if it's Ferran Suriano at CFG who makes that decision. Uh, if I'm whoever makes the decision, my decision to fire Cushing has already been made. My, the, the, the question now is just, we need to find a replacement first before we actually do it. That, that's, that, that's really, that, that's the approach I would take. He's, I mean, his, yeah, then, like, he's already it'd be during the 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 like the all-star break and at that point we have just have 10 games left in the season in which our new manager would be left with an impossible job to get us into I don't the think it's, I don't think it's going to take that long. I don't think it's going to so, take that so long. So end of June, early July. Well, here's the thing. Well, here's the thing. He's either going to get fired in that time period or he's not going to get fired at all. There's a we're we're ignoring the possibility that CFG is perfectly content with just calling this year a wash and then maybe trying to retool up for next year. I'm just like that that could be a legit plan that CFG has because we we're also he doesn't get fired at all. He lasts the whole season and then we finally fire him towards the end. I mean that's yeah, possible. That, I'm not, that'd be that'd be them that. throwing the talent in 2023, which is yeah. plausible. I, I'm not. I'm not an advocate of that. I don't think that that's what should happen. I'm a fan of this club. I'm a season ticket holder. I go to every single home game. That's the last thing I want to see. But I, I would be. I would be remiss to not mention that as a possibility yeah. because it 100% is a possibility that they're fully okay, especially considering the playoff format where you don't even have to be a good team this year. I think we're also missing that point. M- making the playoffs is not a hard thing to do this year. As a matter of fact, it's harder to miss. The playoffs than it is to actually to actually make it in. Yeah, yeah, and based I, off our turn form, we're going to miss the playoffs. Uh, okay, but here's the thing: how many points are we off a playoff qualifying spot right now as it stands? Four, but I'm not confident we're going to get. Uh, those four. I, 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 okay, how 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 big do you think that gap can become from now until mid July? Seven, seven to nine points. Ten. Seven to nine points. You don't think that. You, you don't think that that gap can be made up in 10 games and where there's a m- maximum of 30 points to game? Well, it, it would make it that it would not be un, in our control entirely. It, it would. I mean, it's not in our control entirely right now. I know, I, which, I mean, is, which is a startling problem that like we don't control our destiny right now like, like, like certain teams do who are just winning and winning and winning week in, week out. Well, um, the price of being bad. I know, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's a scary thought to think that those last 10 games after this the All-Star break that – we could we could go on a, t- a tear and win games, but we could be fighting a losing battle because the teams the teams that are on that playoff line could also be winning games. Like it, it's the, like we're not making up ground because although we're winning games, we're not making up points, which could happen but theoretically. Wh- let me wh- let me ask one this one because I, one I want to get you more involved in this uh, in this conversation. <laughs> My bad, sorry. We, we we tend to talk over each other here. No, no, uh, don't worry, don't worry about it. Listen, uh, it's, it's good to hear some other perspectives you know it's it's good to what's, know. what's your current opinion on on Cushing right now as it stands like like what's your opinion on him? not necessarily whether or not he'll be fired what is your opinion what I see in the games from what I get to like as a media member like go through see overall from what I saw in New England I think we're almost there 
we're almost there. I think he deserves, I'm telling you, that's why I told you about the all-star break. I think he deserves that window. I think he's about to, as we say, crack the code as to, you know, winning games, like, get that striker. I think he needs that summer window to actually, like, maybe he has a plan to get a striker. Maybe he has, like, proposals lined up to get players. Would you argue that, like, our struggles this season are more so due to a lack of depth than it is necessarily bad coaching, per se? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, there's not really that depth. We don't have that nine. Yes, Segal is good, but I think, as another media member was telling me yesterday, like, we need a striker that, you know, actually, like, teaches him. Like, not really experienced, but, like, already knows that role, per se. Yeah, I, I I believe he has a future, Seagal, but, like, we need that striker to actually, like, kind of feed off of him, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, 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 I get that, and I do, like, I don't necessarily agree, and that's okay, but I do, and, and Joe and Davi can both attest to this, I have presented that as an alternative explanation, which does have merit. It's impossible to ignore the lack of a true goal scorer on this team. It's hard to ignore... Mm-hmm the lack of depth that we have at pretty much every single position, especially left center back in particular. It's definitely, I think it's definitely a mixture of both things. Mm -hmm. I I just, I don't know. I I still think that we have... It doesn't excuse the fact that we're winless in the last two games. But even apart from that, I still don't think we should be, like, I still think this team has more than enough talent on it to at least be semi-competitive. I feel like like, like, if we were in, like, seventh place right now, or, like, like let's say, like, eighth place even, like, like, ju- like, like uh, on the periphery of, like, the teams that qualify for the playoff spot, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with that, and I think that would be justified. The fact that we were dwelling in the cellar of the Eastern Conference not a week ago is, that's what's unacceptable to me. But, like, I saw the record that New England came with, um, Prior to yesterday's game, like they also haven't won like the last three, four games, like tied like the last two. Where I think they but lost. But at, the, the at least they're showing signs of life. We have two goals scored in three games. I mean, but you know, record-wise, the last few games, like they're in fourth place and they haven't won the games either way. No, they're in fourth place and like with a similar record to ours, and we're like in seventh, eighth place. So we're like lower, we're lower than that. <laughs> no, no, no. Before, before, okay. um, uh, prior to yesterday. Prior to yesterday, we were in fourteenth place in the East. Yeah, but look, look at the look at the run. Uh, New England's run prior to yesterday. It was like at similar numbers. Then they had three losses, and we had like. Two laws or like they had two, we had three or something like that. We were like in there. All right, so here's the most glaring thing that I'm looking at: the New England road record three, three, and three. So they've they've six games on the road. They've come away with points. You look at NYCFC, oh five and three. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You I have mean. to win on the road in MLS in order to be good. There's nobody yes. in MLS that's going to be in the top three of their of their conference if they don't win games on the road. And right now we're not winning games on the road. Yeah, I mean, but um, it's just rough. I mean, I'm telling you again, this brings me back to like for Cushing in, but like I believe to me, to me, 
like I see the team play, I see like you know session, I see not a tactician, but like I see that the team builds up, but there's no reference that last third. Yeah, we we kind of like struggle in defense as well, but also lose games. Like I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the biggest gap, like, as in terms of defeat, has been the Philly game, which is what the three-one. Most yeah, two, of the, and then we lost the Cincy three-one again. Yeah. Yeah, most of the games that we've lost or like tied have been by like a difference of one goal. If we had a striker pretty sure we either like won most of those games tied most of those games i'm saying it's like a factor or like that was gonna happen yes so i mean it's glaringly obvious that we don't have a nine and that and that's contributing to our inability to score goals nick cushing signed in the dotted line to be bumped up from interim to full-time manager knowing damn well what the roster construction looked like and what we had at our disposal he is being judged on the roster we currently have, not what we are going to get or what we should have gotten. He's being judged on what we have now. And he should be able to do more with what he's being given. We have talent to win games. We have young South Americans, Gabi Pereira, Santiago Rodriguez, Dallas Magno. We have all these young South American wonderkins who are supposed to be players that we are going to make it rain when we sell them off to get money back and nick cushing has been unable to unlock their potential it's his job it's his job to unlock their potential by putting them in positions to succeed and by putting them in positions to succeed inside of the tactical setup of this formation whatever formation he so chooses he's been tinkering a lot with the formation of the basketball the past couple matches four in the back three in the back four in the midfield wing backs all this stuff he should have in 43 games he's had we, we had a discussion off air that yes he does have some new players in some positions kufre is new to the team turnbull's been elevated uh elenix new to the team Segal's new to the team but he also has a strong core of players that have been around for two seasons now rodriguez Pereira, parks morales sands hack chanel these guys have been around they've been in the program it's not like it's not like we're still trying to figure out oh like are they good or like what can they do no we know we know what they can do by now so he should be able to do stuff with these players and he's not that's true that is true that is true i mean no, and, and not, not also that. I think like uh, the front office saying, oh, we're, we're, we're going to try out Talos Magno at the nine and making that experiment. And that that essentially blew up in her face by match week two. That that, that just like, that's terrible. Where we, we knew Talos Magno is not a nine. I think everybody knows that he's not. And judging by the past six months, his first six months is interim. Talos Magno at the nine was not the solution, but yet the front office just being boneheaded and thought Talos Magno at the nine at a full season would, would work out. And then, lord and behold, two games into the new season, oh, he's not a striker. Oh, you fucking genies. That aspect, in that aspect, I'm not justifying them, but I think guided them to that decision was the fact that, you know, Talis Magno that we saw with Tati. It's like superstar kind of. He was like all over the place. It was very influential. Looked like he could play the nine. So I 
some point, like in some games alongside uh, Tati. I think that would, that's what made them think, yeah, he's going to be good at the nine, so we don't need to get a striker. Then again, you know, we saw glimpses of like not having a nine when they like sort of quote unquote failed to um, replace Tati. Like they didn't give ever like starts or like no in that aspect I think since those days like the fact that they couldn't get a nine or like they didn't really try hard enough to get a nine and they went with um Tadis Magno and again it brings me back to you to your point like you blew up in the second or third game that they tried to like improvise him as a nine he's not a nine no. Yeah, so who's gonna who's to say that the same thing's not gonna happen again? Um, like you said, like uh, what, what was it when Dome was the manager? I think it was Dome, um, or was it Ronnie? When uh, when we signed a bear and he was like, oh, a bear was my ninth choice striker that we that we were able to sign. Dome, that was Dome. Dome. So yeah. who's to say that that's not that that's not gonna be replicated in that this in this summer transfer window that that they've they're already going down? Like nope, 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 and then all of a sudden now we're getting some relatively unknown. U twenty two initiative striker who's not polished and sharpened and 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 comes in and, and and is gonna is set up to be in a position where he can't shoulder the load that we that we have the expectations of a nine to do here. Well, well, I mean that that comes down to who you're recruiting and who you're gonna try to like get into because like anybody who's on the short list of players that you want to bring in should be a player that will especially like considering like where this team's form is at. Should at least be a player that will be an improvement, like 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 even if it's you know not a massive improvement. Like I'm not saying you have to go out and get fucking prime Luis Suarez, but you definitely need to like go out there and get somebody who's you know who, who know. Like Aber obviously knew the role. I, I mean shit. I mean Aber was like was mo- was mostly an experiment. Uh, people don't really like look this up a lot. Aber was not a nine before he came in. He was not a striker mostly. He was mostly a winger. Uh, like when he was like spending his time out in Croatia and various parts of Europe, uh, Aber was turned into a nine by Jomai Turan and was and fit and fit the system like eighth choice or not fit Dome's system to a glove because Dome's Dome's system was all about very very good build up to where like the goal was just you really just needed a striker that that had good positioning and good instincts. Uh, and 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 the, and the quality to actually like bury the chance. Aber was wonderful in 2019. Uh, and once Dyla came in and needed a like an and instilled a system that required uh, a high work rate striker. Uh, Tati eclipsed uh, Aber there because Aber. I, I love Aber. He was very very talented when uh, like during that 2019 season. Very very good and you know like and one of the nicest people that you could ever hope to meet. In your life but unfortunately a high work rate player he is not uh and you know like like right now i mean anybody who's on the shortlist should be somebody who's at least good enough to to be to play for this team and be willing to get results in there i mean but at the same time you also have to imagine and and joe i've told this to you before not everybody wants to come here because it wasn't just play like there was several issues as to why Aber was our eighth choice and why he was the only one that we could get in, because and the outfield deal to detailed this beautifully and their argue and their art. Uh, I'm tongue tied right now and their article uh, why Dome left 
uh, which anybody's free to go back and read at any time. Great, great piece. Um, and a lot of players were either A, too expensive, or B, just didn't want to come over here. And you have to be prepared for that. Uh, because and, and, and the coach is responsible for getting the most out of what he's given. And we're going to, we, there's a possibility. I'm not saying it's a huge possibility because I do think that, I mean, I mean, they'd be stupid not, if, if the front office would be stupid not to be trying to do like reconnaissance ahead of the summer window and try to get ahead of everything and try to have somebody who's ready to go and have that paperwork that's good to go so that way they can join the team almost immediately on July 1st or July 5th, whenever the window actually opens and, and, and come in and immediately like start integrating themselves within the team. But, um, there's a possibility that a nine might not come. We might make improvements. We might sign a winger here and there. We might sign a left-footed center back. Might even sign a midfielder. There's a possibility that the nine, or at least one that's worth forking out money for, if you can't get them on a free transfer, uh, doesn't come. It's possible. It's definitely a possibility especially with some of the names that have been thrown around over the last year since since the winter, you know, who NYCFC has been connected to. There's a lot of other more attractive suitors for these players, and it, it's likely going to be somebody that we've never heard of before. Yeah, I mean, with the way that the trends are going in MLS, uh, even, I mean, the, the trends and the way roster construction was in 2023 compared to how it was in 2017-18 when Bear came here are completely and utterly different. It's a completely different ballgame in terms of what, what, transfers. Wait, what's different? Like the, the trends of, 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 of tra the trends and transfers of the type of players that are coming into this league are different than when Bear came into the league. Um, okay. In terms of like... Players that might see the MLS as attractive are are, are going to be similar similar to what are currently here, and what are currently here are Brazilians, Argentines, and other South Americans. That's 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 what the pr predominant type of player that are, is coming into this league because this league is very rapidly becoming like a, a sell-on league. Buy young players, groom them, ship them off, make a make a make a dime off of them. I wouldn't even say that it's rapidly becoming one. I'd say it already is. Yes. No. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, but like compared to what it was, like it wasn't like that back in seventeen, eighteen. There, there weren't like there, there wasn't like this. Like I feel like every time I turn on a game, there's like an Argentine or a, a, mostly a lot of Argent. There's a lot of Argentines in this league. Like was, a lot. It was really Atlanta United that really started that yeah. movement. So like every time I turn the TV on, it's like oh another Argentine has scored in the in, like for a team in MLS. <laughs> like it's like it's like how many how many how many how many of Argentines are there in this league? I feel like there's like. 15 Argentine strikers in this league right now. It's ridiculous. But at the same time, you, you also have to acknowledge that Atlanta was also like, like between now and Atlanta, I mean, also post inflation, like Europe is spending record amount of money on transfers right now. It, it, it's ridiculous. Like the amount of roster movement that's going on abroad, not even in just in Europe, but in South America as well. And and even subsections of Asia. I mean, we've we've talked. I mean, we've never talked about this on air or even really off air. I mean, Saudi Arabia is making yes. throwing massive amounts of money around. Uh, it, like, it, like, it looks like they're going to get Kareem Benzema. Yeah, it, it's a different market entirely. Sure, but I, I don't even I don't know if we've necessarily benefited post inflation from this new market. We definitely benefited from it during in the midst of the pandemic at the peak of the pandemic, when you saw players like Gabby Pineda and, uh, and Talis Magno and Tiago Andrade and, and players of that ilk come abroad because, you know, due to various 
financial atrocities that were going on in South America, like where like it was hard to even like keep players and they were willing to ship them off for pennies on the dollar of what they were actually worth. I, it, we're not really in that economy right now. What, it, like, I, I'm, I'm very skeptical of how this summer window is going to go, not just for us, but for this league as a whole. I'm very skeptical when it comes to it. And when I say skeptical, a lot of people like think um, immediately like think that that means pessimistic. It's not. Look up the definition of skeptical and then come back to me, uh, you child. Uh, like I'm just I'm very unsure of how this transfer window is going to go going to go for the entire league and i do think that not just factoring that in and and not to mention this the problems that cfg is having with manchester city at the current moment like where like the club is facing probably one of the biggest penalties in european football history like we might not be a priority in that entire scheme of things Like, like like i don't see anybody at CFG saying, okay, you know, like we just won a title, all hands on deck for NYCFC now, you know, to try to steer them to, uh, you know, North American glory for the second time in, in, in three years. Uh, like, there's a lot of outside factors that could have a negative impact on us particularly. And we do have to brace ourselves for a summer transfer window that doesn't yield uh the additions that we might be looking for one carlos I, I have a hypothetical for you uh, if we either a don't bring in a nine for some reason in this transfer window or if we bring in bring in an unproven like u22 initiative nine mm-hmm. um and then we uh we get we get through that we get through the rest of this season and say we either a miss the playoffs or B, barely make the playoffs and then have a first-round exit. Do you see Nick Cushing surviving 2023? 2023, um, listen, as long, like, again, <clears throat> as long as you get a nine, somehow it produces, although it's, like, doesn't have the impact we, like, we hope it's going to have, as long as he makes that change and fills that void, if he gets that striker, whatever happens, I see him remaining in charge for 2023. If he finds that striker. But do you, but, do you think he survives past 2023? Yeah, past 2023. Yeah, like, do you think he's still the manager on match date number one, 2024? 2024? I believe so. He really scrapes in. I believe so. I believe so. If, Even if he misses the playoffs. Even if he misses the playoffs. Because then, you know, argument there is going to be, listen, we got the striker. We just got to give him more time. Yes. Yes. Made the that impact. Is, that is the exact, that is the exact thought process that's going to emant from the front office is going to be that now that we have a nine, even though we missed the playoffs or even maybe first run exit from the playoffs is that now the, 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 the narrative is going to be that the nine needs time to, to get into the squad and get used to the MLS and blah, blah, blah. No, but the fact, no, the, the my point would be in like, you know, as long as he makes the impact, you know, he would go into that. Imagine if, you know, we do get the nine, but we still get like struggle. Yeah. That would be different, mm-hmm. you know? That would be different, you know? 
Like I would say, I, I'm saying it in the in the matter of like you know we get the striker and he does kind of like make an impact, and he continues and then you know as you said the narrative would be you know okay let's keep him on and like you know let's give him more time to adjust. Yeah. But, but would you say happen. that? But would uh, you say if we get the nine and this nine doesn't make an impact and it doesn't change our fortunes, would you would you think it would be excusable? for fans to say, yeah, this coach doesn't have what it takes. Like, what do you think? Like, like, cause like, I mean, like, like, cause like, I mean, like the biggest thing that people keep on saying, like on, on Twitter, and I don't agree. Cause I think the nine argument went out the window once we lost to Red Bull away one nil, especially considering the situation that Red Bull are in having just fired their coach and missing eight first team players for that game and still looking absolutely clueless. As even though like like it's an away game, but also not really because there's tons of blue in that crowd and it's literally right over the river. Like, uh, it, it, like if if they get the nine and it and it's a nine, what what what's what what what? Let me further the hypothetical a little bit. Let's say it's a nine that we've heard of that that isn't necessarily elite, but has been on the periphery of. I'm trying to think of like a like like, like let's say. Like 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 a Jesse Lingard type. Not that Jesse Lingard's a striker; he's not a striker. But like a guy like that who has been there and kind of done that and kind of has a resume to to go for, and would obviously be an improvement over what we have. But we still fail. Would you say that like Cushing loses his job after that? Yeah, I would think so because um, you know then it would be like. I, again, like Joe said, you know, he's had enough time. He knows the players. He knows the system. And, like, you know, if he's unable to um, even, like, you know, accommodate him. Because it's not even that that wouldn't be a factor of, like, you know, like um, unlocking his potential. Because in that aspect, you know, you know that he has potential. He knows that he has potential. But if he's unable to actually, like, put him in the right spot or, like, uh, get a system where like he gets the best out of him you know it would be that would be the case where you know it's like it's the coach itself and like, you know we need to go a different direction because something is not clicking like you know he couldn't even he could he couldn't even like the best out of the most experienced nine that we got you know so would be my narrative yeah um, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about this, which I mean, and it deserves our time because it's definitely. Well, well, I mean, there wasn't fucking jack shit to talk about when it came to the game. I mean, yeah, you know, I, wish, I wish there was, but there was literally no goal score. I mean, I guess we could talk about Kufre getting his red card at the end of it, but honestly, I haven't watched the game back and I still haven't seen that playback, and I still don't know what the fuck happened there because I was I saw the play and I was like. I mean that looks like a foul. Uh, I mean, but like I, I, I really, I still don't quite understand what like the reasoning for his being sending off for. I mean, did, did anybody else catch that? Did anybody else think that that was like red card worthy? No. I mean, like I said, I think I said it before coming in air. I was like, should be a yellow card. Like first glance, like at the moment, yes, a red card. But like, if you go to the bar and see that he got the ball first, it should be at least a yellow. Is is that what is that what happened? Did he get the ball first? 
he got the ball first, but then when he landed, because he was like he he kicked it like midair, you know, and then when when he lands, he lands on the on the player's foot. He plant he planted his foot on the player's foot. Yeah, was wait, it wasn't even ground. studs into like the shin; it was studs into the foot. To the foot, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, he's, he's yeah. he essentially stepped on his foot and then oh he went to the god for like three yeah. minutes and still gave him a red. But yeah. so like, I, I'm I, for just for uh, argument's sake, I am firing up my Apple TV right now, which is a. Uh, uh, I, I don't know about you guys, uh, like, really quick while I'm trying to, like... Uh, Here comes some more Brian Kufray slander from Christian. No, no, not at all. No. That, that, was, that was not what was coming, so I wouldn't assume anything, you, you swine. Um, I, I, what I was going to say was, I... And, and I've said this a lot on the podcast before. I don't get the hype behind Apple TV. It hardly ever fucking works. First of all, like, like sometimes like your game will just stop like midway through. Sometimes uh, it's just like a black screen. Uh, sometimes when you try to watch certain versions of the broadcast, uh, they like after the fact, it just won't work. And I also think that the people who announce on it and the people who are pundits on it are absolutely fucking intolerable. I'm sorry. Watch it in Spanish. Uh, but the I, thing is, I would watch it in Spanish if Spanish I understood. Spanish doesn't even work. The thing is, I would watch it in Spanish if I understood Spanish. But the thing is, like, I kind of like hearing like about like like narrative bits about the game because I do think that the game is I, I like like at the end of the day, like one of the great things about sports is that they're they're stories without scripts, and you want to hear about those intricate storylines and understand those intricate storylines while you're watching a game, especially like if you're like for instance like a casual who doesn't have any knowledge of the teams that are involved. You want to know who, mm-hmm. who who are the players at. Uh, uh, you know, like, like, you know, like, who, who are the major factors in in this game? Uh, who, you know, like, 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 who, who, who's important? Um, and, and what you should be looking for? Okay, I, I, I pulled up the uh, the replay of the foul again. Uh, that is not a red card at all. No, not even not close. Good. No, wanted- that is wow. That's bad. So he gets mm-hmm. the Kufre kicks the ball out for anybody who yeah. hasn't seen it yet. Kicks the ball. Puts his foot down and it lands on the player's yeah, top, the of the, top of his foot. This is, I, I dare I say, it's not even a fucking foul at all. Um, it's not. This is, they, they, they essentially want him to hop on one foot. Uh, no, this is not a good call at all. And uh, there has been, I there has been some discussion amongst uh, city fans on Twitter about this, about whether or not Distro uh, or, or or Disco, whatever. I think it's Disco. Um, the uh, disciplinary committee, yeah, uh, will um, overturn this red red card ahead of time. Uh, I think they'd be stupid not to. This is ridiculous. Uh, the, like, uh, Joe, I don't know if you've seen it yet. I this haven't. is I. I think you'll agree with me if you if it, it, I don't know. Just look it up on like you like like on YouTube or like I'm pretty yeah. sure like the highlights. Yeah, the highlights. I'm pretty sure the highlights will show it because it's like it's a red card and they usually show red cards in highlights. Uh, uh, this is not a red card. At I mean, if, all. if Juan this, Carlos says that that the that the studs uh, after he kicked the ball in midair, his studs came down and he stepped on his foot. That's not a, that's like stud, your studs have not. to be your studs have to be exposed and being like pr- drilled or pressed into like their lower leg shin area. That's a red card offense. Yeah. No, but, no, no, it's it's. It's not even close to I know. Yeah, like, so. This isn't even a foul, honestly. It's like, not I mean, a foul. Uh, so, not so, like, 
because because they're both going for the ball. Kufre wins it. Uh, who's Who number wins 20, it? Yeah. Who's number twenty four on uh, on uh, Dejuan Jones? Yes, Dejuan Jones. Uh, Dejuan Jones. Yes, correct. That, that's it. he misses Mid. the ball. Uh, yeah, he's not that great. Um, but um, he's all right. He's serviceable. He's decent. Um, yeah, Kufre wins. They're both running after a ball. Kufre gets there, kicks the ball out. Dewan Jones misses it, and then Kufre like. What, what, like after kicking the ball, and it doesn't even look like it doesn't look intentional. It doesn't look like anything. Like he kind of just like kind of puts his foot down, and Dewan Jones's foot goes underneath his his studs, and he gets the top of his foot. This is this is a, and the fact that that he looked at VAR on top looked of at it, it like and, for like two minutes. They looked yeah, at it for then, two minutes, and then said, and "Yeah." And then, still and then, the still gave the red. Oh yeah. man, this is bad. <laughs> so I, I, really, I, I genuinely feel like this is like it's the arrogance of these referees who refuse to admit that they may have not gotten the call correct. So he went to VAR. He probably looked at. It, he's like, "Well, fuck, I can't, I can't say I messed up. So I'm just, not, I'm gonna hold my ground and stick to the call I originally made because I don't want to admit, that I, I don't want to admit that I made a mistake. It's yeah, but it's his arrogance." That these VAR officials don't want to admit that they made a fucking mistake. Yeah, no, this is this is not a good call at all. No, no, yeah. Very, did, did, did they put the replay VAR. on the on the stadium? No, they didn't they put did, the replay on the stadium. No. That, that's why we were so confused about it because I go to every single home game and I've already criticized the Yankees. They they, okay, they do okay. it when it's not. I feel. No, no, no. I, I saw I saw it on somebody's phone uh, at the press box, but like, yeah, then no, no, yeah. If, put it at the stadium yeah i saw it on the on the replay and, and it wasn't a, a red card like it should have been overturned even like i'm telling you if anything it should be a yellow okay excessive yeah, force but by accident a yellow but that's about you, it yeah if you have to give anything for this yeah maybe a yellow is appropriate but even that i don't think this is a foul like like like, like i don't even think it's a foul like personally i think it's a 50 50 ball and shit ha and shit happens that's like what i would say like you know, like, 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 if you're willing to, like, you know, run full steam ahead, to try to get a ball, you have to be also willing to accept that you're probably not going to have a fucking good time after, you know, you know, after you, you get it done, because you're probably going to run full bore into another player. And this is just that this is just happenstance. This isn't even like Kufre dove in for a foul, missed the ball and then caught him in like an area like, 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 and, and if that was the case, then, yeah, you could make that call. Like, like if it's Dewan Jones who like gets his his studs up after Kufre's already won the ball and then gets his shin or his ankle or his, the top of his foot, then yeah, maybe a yellow card or a red card is good. But Kufre actually getting to this ball first and not by a small margin, mind you. It was pretty mm -hmm. like he had him. Gets the first. He gets it. Yeah, he got him beat by a good step. It's not like a bang bang play as we would say in baseball. Uh, this is. Clear as day. The fact that this referee felt the need to look at this for three minutes and then enhance, 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 and then still come up with the wrong fucking answer is just this is just an indictment on the quality of referees that we have in this league. Another reason why I find it to be completely unwatchable as a neutral. Like it's just this and, is and the calls against us good continue. Yeah, no, it's been a very bad period of time for referee calls. Obviously, you have the disallowed goal. Uh, last week, you have the penalty shout for Gabe's Eagle the week before. Two soft uh, penalties against us in back-to-back -back games. Yeah, and then you have this. This is, is uh, yeah, no, I'm... Um,
Yeah, no, I don't. I don't like if, it. Even though, it, even though it wasn't game changing, it's 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 gonna no, affect yeah, us it, next week. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 game changing for next week's game. So, like, like, it, did it affect this game in particular? No, not really. You know, we were already kind of winding down. I but, was a little bit. I was week. a little bit scared that going down to ten men was going to cause us to concede in stoppage time and walk in. Well, we actually all so one which we almost did. Yeah, one thing I do think that is worth talking about is that New England could have easily come away with all three points in this game and completely changed the complexion of ev- all the discourse this week uh, or, or or today. Uh, if if it wasn't for a New England player literally blocking their own players, Gustavo Bo, yeah, Gustavo Bo, yeah, Gustavo yeah. Bo blocked it, yeah, and and, it, the, and not only that, also number twenty two kind of missed the cross completely. Yeah, I I I was. You know, like from from where I was standing in the supporter section, I was directly in like the goal, like on the opposite side of the field, was completely lined up perfectly for me. And had had Bo not been there as a bumper, that that shot goes in. I, I'm letting you know that now. That shot definitely goes in. It was a very good shot. It was a good finish. Uh, it's just that Bo just decided that he uh, he picked the wrong spot to vacation. <laughs> like let's just say that it it was not good spatial awareness on his part which is weird considering Bo is is a good player but uh shit happens yeah no we, we could have easily walked away with no points in this game but isn't yeah no isn't Gustavo Bo another Argentine striker in the league yeah I think so I think he is Argentinian. <laughs> Did you guys hear I don't know if it's a rumor but like I hear that the FAA I think Argentinian Federation is going to open up a camp in Miami I mean that's good yeah, for Inter yeah, Miami. Yeah. I, I haven't heard that, but that's good for Inter Miami, I guess. <laughs> what, <laughs> what about us though? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like we need some help. Uh, yeah, no, it just. Isn't so Argentinian though? He's doing that. Uh, yeah. yeah, by by descent, yeah. But I think he was. I think he's born and raised here. So yeah, yeah. I had a, from Westchester. I had Westchester. A, I had an extensive conversation with Maximo Carrizo's uh, dad um, after the. I went to the uh, Hudson River Derby Junior uh, Derby um, at uh, Montclair State over here um, where we lost. NYCFC 2? Yeah, NYCFC 2. Um, and I spoke to him for probably about an hour after the game, um, just hearing his backstory. And, uh, some, uh, Massimo, um, he he's in talks of representing both Argentina and the United States. Obviously, right now, um, I think right now he's rep- – he's, was, was he at the U20 World Cup with, with, uh, with the USA or no? No, I think no, – I think- I don't no. think so. No, no. I think I think no. he was like I think the I saw pictures of him like training with U17s. Yeah, yeah. So he is training with the U17s. I know his dad said he's going to somewhere and there's a U18 World Cup this year this summer too. I want to say it's in like is it is it one of the Asian countries like Japan or something? I think it might be Japan. Um, but he said he said that uh, Massimo will be going representing the USA at that World Cup. Um, but they're also in talks with with um. With Argentina. Argentina, yeah. So, so, so Carrizo has been called into both camps for Argentina and and uh, the United States to this point. He hasn't represented any of them. Like he hasn't capped at any of the youth levels yet. Not that it matters anyway, because you know, like youth caps don't count. Like like towards any like they don't mean any like dick once like it comes time to pick a senior team. Uh, but like he he's been called into both camps for Argentina and uh, the United States, but he hasn't been called. He hasn't actually like played for either one of them. The only so. difference it makes is, is is in that year or like at that level, he can only play for one team. So like if so like at the seventeens, if he plays for the U.S., he can only play 
for the U.S. up to U17. And then if you if, if say he plays for Argentina with, for, with the U19s, he can only play with Argentina for that age bracket. And then once he once he gets out of that age bracket, he can then choose to go. Like so, it's obviously a build up to the, se- sure. the senior team. Uh, yeah. Right? I, I, yeah, I get it, but I would also say that Carrizo is a lock for the United States national team. I wouldn't say that there's much like, like even though he's like a highly touted player and everything like that. Like, is he going to be good as, as you know McAllister or you know or Alvarez or like any Enzo of these Fernandez. players? Yeah, any of these players that are currently coming up in this Argentina setup, you know, and just won a World Cup. I don't know. That's I I, I wouldn't count on it because we're he's, talking he's got about like a very outside shot. Yeah, it, 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 it's very low chance that he gets called into Argentina. I would say he's pretty much a lock for the United States because I do think I, I, I do think he's going to be a good player. I think the fact that NYCFC felt the need to sign him when he was 14 and lock him in at that point to where any other team that wants him is now going to have to pay uh, for him. Is he 15 uh, or 16 right now? He's 15. 15. All right. So yeah, I mean, very, so I mean, he's going to be building up. He's he, he, um, he's not going to make a, a drastic jump to like play for a senior national team. He's going to he's going to work his way up every single age. The last the last age is U twenty three, and then after twenty three, you you go to the to, to the senior the only, seniors. The only, yeah. So I mean, with him being he's say sixteen right now. So how many years? How many years until he's twenty three? That's fifteen. He's fifteen. He's right fifteen. Now. So, so he's got about eight, eight years. years. So yeah, over the next eight. I mean, eight years is a long time, but next eight years he'll have he'll decide who he's going to represent. I, I, also, I, I also want to say, though, that most guys who are who are national team quality and are very, very good, like Maximo Carrizo has been advertised as being, it's also important to note that, like, a lot of them don't actually, like, participate with, like, U23s or U21s. A lot of them, like, make that, like, immediate jump from, like, U18s or U19s straight to this. Because I, I, I've always considered, like, the U23s I've always considered like U twenty threes, U twenty ones, like the triple A baseball equivalent to like football because like it's like it's that spot where like typically players skip on the way up, but like a place where like guys who are kind of just like on the outside looking in when it comes to like their prospects like get like one more shot at like a look. Um, I, I I would wager to say that he doesn't he he. He he has to he's he's forced into a decision by the time he, he's he's probably gonna do what Gio Reyna did just they, they just like put him in as soon as like he's eighteen. If he's like, as good as Gio Reyna, that's yeah, still yeah. an if he, yeah. it, I mean, my, that's my, my main concern is his is his uh, stature. Um, he's he's relatively um, he's shorter, slimmer. He's um, so I mean hope over the next oh, eight, eight years so I hope he actually. over the next eight years I hope he gets yeah. But I mean you can't like I mean. But Maxi was also exceptionally talented. Yeah, yeah, so, like, that's, I mean, that's, like, that's essentially what I was saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, I mean, so like, if he does stay the same size for the rest of his life, you hope that he has something else in his locker. But uh, yeah, and over the course of the next eight years, if he's playing in the places that Maxi played while he was progressing, like at at Atalanta and these other these other places, then that then he's in the right path. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully he's with us in ten years, and hopefully he's doing great for us in ten. In yeah. ten years, uh, the the uh, the Europe success story is overrated. I want you to be stuck with NYCFC until, and I want that to be a blood oath. <laughs> so yeah, no. So I want you to be stuck. Let let's let's put the uh, let's put this stamp on this zero uh, zero draw. Uh, who is your man of the match, Juan Carlos? Me, Ledesma. Ledesma. Me, Ledesma. Yeah, Ledesma impressed me. So Ledesma was actually the. Second lowest rated player in the game. Really? Wow. He was. On I was. A, I'm surprised by that. He was on a six point six rating. 
for the game. And that was the second lowest, 6.6. Yep. I mean, that's an improvement over last week where, like, the best performer was, uh, like, the, <laughs> like, the wor- worst performer was, what, in the five somewhere? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Uh, uh, Christian, who was, your pl- who was your player of the match? I, <laughs> uh, so, I, oh, man, picking a man of the match in a nil-nil game is, like, uh, that's so, like, tough. Uh, I... If I had to guess, and I'm not saying this necessarily because I think it, it it's true, I'd imagine that Barraza had a very inflated match rating in this game, and I would say he probably got a higher rating uh, on on Fop Mob or whatever you, it is it is that you you draw these from. Fop Mob and who scored? Barraza was the best of the worst. Okay, so middle of the pack. He was at a seven zero seven one. Okay, yeah. I, I, I can't think of anybody who had an exceptional performance. I mean, I mean yeah, like I'm, I'm telling you that no, nobody had an exceptional performance. So everybody, like, even the top guy was just mere points away from everybody else. So it was very mid, um, very yeah. very convoluted and congested. But Braza was the best of the worst. He was, in the, the, he was fifth. He had the fifth best performance. Yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't even say best of the worst. I would say that's middle of the pack. Yeah, like, like, but in terms of yeah. top six, bottom five, he was the, he was the highest rated player in the bottom five. Uh, Davi, who's your who's your man of the match? GP. Yes, GP um, came in at a seven three on Fop Mob and a seven four on Who Scored. Now, on Fop Mob, he was tied for the best NYCFC player with James Sands, who was also on a seven three. But on Who Scored, he was tied with Santi on a seven four. Um, Santi uh, got a less favorable rating on, on FOTMOB. He had a 7-1. Uh, James Sands, 7-3, 7-0. Uh, Gabi was a 7-3, 7-4. And Alfredo Morales was a 7-2, um, 7-0. Justin, ha- Justin Hack, 7-1, 6-8. And Maxime Cheneau, 7-1, 6-8. Was, that rounded out the top six. I thought Hack was fine. I think he's worth talking about. At center back, he was fine. He was better than we've seen in the past at that position. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. In the past, are you, are you referring to the uh, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's 2022 Eastern Conference Final? I mean, that would be responsible <laughs> for that second goal. He that would be one. That, ball. that would be uh, that would be one way of putting it. Yeah, um, he, he should have played because, that ball. Because He's solely responsible for that second because goal. of the red card, Kufre was the worst rated player in the game, six zero five nine. Um, and he was uh, even though even though we're looking at this replay, and I'm saying this, Joe, I need you to look at this before we go off air because you're. Like you need to just bite the bullet and just go and look at the play really quick. Just go to the highlights or go to the game and fast forward to the 90th minute and look at it. Like just and tell me what you see. You'll probably you'll probably disagree because you're a bit of a contrarian. Don't deny it. But well, you know, no, I like, mean, if 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 the studs don't contact the, the shin lower leg and it's just like a like a step on the foot. I want you to look at the play. I got I'm looking at it now. And while he's looking at the play, I want to take this time to note that Joe is an absolute dickhead. He's the worst person <laughs> in the world. Never meet him in real life. He's so rude. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Joe is a Joe's a very nice guy. Uh, some some of his takes are dumb, 
but he's a nice if, guy. If, if you have the chance to watch a game with Coach Joe in person, do it. It's, it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> why, yeah, but why, why is Kufre grabbing his ankle like he was the one who was hurt? He, because he landed on, on his foot, I think he didn't get enough. I mean, like, I mean, have you ankle. ever put your foot down on anything other than solid ground and had like your ankle roll over it, and then you're like, "Fuck, that hurt." Right, so like... Kufre <laughs> strikes the ball with his non-dominant foot. He strikes it with his right foot. It deflects off of Dejon Jones's leg, and then after he kicks the ball, he comes down with, I mean, the full force of his foot on top. But I mean. That's like that's a natural position of after kicking a ball like like from the from the U six level you're taught that when you strike a ball with power you kick the ball with the foot and then you're supposed to land on that foot after you kick it. So in this moment he's kicking the ball hard with his right foot and then after you kick the ball with your right foot you then land on your right foot and it just so happens that Dejuan Jones's foot was underneath. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't on purpose. Mm-hmm. It probably hurt a lot uh, for, Dej- for Dejuan, but and it wasn't with excessive force. Either. No, it was just it was normal. It was just putting his foot down. Um, but I, I will I will state for the record that this entire situation of what of what happened is completely and utterly the fault of Brian Kufre. Because, Why? Because if you go back and watch what happens. Alfredo Morales plays the ball back to Brian Kufre in the air. He plays like a little volley, volley ball backwards to Brian Kufre. Brian Kufre touches the ball with his left foot. And rather than it settling at his feet, it kind of goes a few yards in front of him. So now he has to lunge forward to, to, to strike this ball now with his right foot. Had he settled that okay. ball properly, none of this would have happened. Okay, but we're not talking about what Kufre should have done to settle the ball down different. We're talking about the actual incident. Was it a red card or no? No, no absolutely not. At worst, a yellow card. If just because it was, it, it was not on purpose, but it did result in a player getting injured, and t- by the technically, like the studs stepping, but yellow card at max. There's no way that he should have gone to VAR for two minutes, watched this, and said, "Yeah, definitely a red card." No, like th- this, there, this was not. No, this is not. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have even called it a foul. Personally, I don't think it's a foul at all. I think it's two players who went in for a ball, and shit happens. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's just. A, I think it's a foul because Dejuan Jones is just r- r- riling around the ground. I, I, like I, I just, I think it's such a that like we we talk about soft calls all the time. That's a if, if that's a red card, that's we have an extremely low threshold for what gets you sent off in a major league soccer game. Like that's very that's, I think that's so extreme. I don't think the punishment matches the crime. I don't even think there was a crime. But Juan Carlos, just for the record, you said that you don't agree with this call either, right? No, I I don't, cause like, again, I was able to watch the replays like from someone at the press box. He had the play, and like when you go into the VAR like view, and you know they they play it on, on Apple TV like the replays and how they're looking at it that alone should have been a, a red card like the thing is it's like why are they looking at this in slow motion like shouldn't like the uh like like th- this is a play that i think would be like benefited like if you just watch it like how it actually happened like i think that would i don't know i, I i've i've had my issues with var especially how it's evolved since it first came in because when it first came in, we were told that it would only be used to correct, you know, clear and obvious errors. Like, like it wasn't going to re-referee the game and, like, try to, like, you know, 
break down plays to microscopic level. Like, was he a centimeter offside? No, at that point, it's not clear and obvious, so you can't reliably count on anybody calling a centimeter. Uh, I think ever since Qatar, I think we're getting ridiculous when it comes to VAR. I think we're starting to get into the weeds when it comes to plays, and this is just a pure example of it. I mean... I mean, even in slow motion, the play doesn't look bad. Like, I, I don't know what... Who was the referee for this game? Does anybody remember his name? I, think I got it right here. Like, 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 who the fuck is this guy? And what the fuck is his problem? Like, uh, Rosendo Mendoza. I've never even heard of this fucking guy. Who is this guy? I, I've never heard of him either. He's never refereed a game in this series before. He sounds like a new referee, though. Oh, no, I, I think, I, no, I think he's been here for a while. I would, I would recognize the name Rosendo in Mendoza. I don't remember him refereeing any game for us recently. Let's Google it. I mean, I, what a bad call. Bad. I mean, it didn't wind up having an effect, which is why it hasn't really been talked about, you know, as much. But, I mean, shit. If we got to go – listen, we already have our, you know, our reservations about how this team might perform on the road in Salt Lake. If we if we have to deal with another week of Kevin O'Toole at left back, he's he, he made his refereeing debut. Brace eight, yourself. Uh, August fourth, two thousand nineteen. But uh, current to current date, he's only refereed forty nine matches, from nineteen to twenty three. Now, or any of them NYCFC games? I don't remember them. Uh, none that I can see. He's been a fourth official. I mean, yeah. So I mean, this was a, this, actually this is only a, so he, he refereed forty nine matches up until the start of the twenty three season. I don't know how many, how many he's. Uh, but he's his honors. He he did the NWSL championship final in nineteen. He did the USL Western Conference final in nineteen. He did the USL Championship final as a fourth official in twenty one. So I mean, he's definitely he's not like he's, oh so. He didn't even get to MLS until at least twenty twenty two. No, his his MLS refereeing debut was. August fourth, two thousand nineteen. It was FC Cincy versus Vancouver. Okay, but he's been mostly USL guy. Yeah. For the... Okay. Gotcha. Well, maybe he should stay there, learn a bit more. Oh. I don't well, want to see I, this I, guy I, again. At least it's better than trotting out some referee that's only having his second game yeah. in the league. Right. Even so, well, never a red card. So. To my co-hosts and to the uh, the fans of the show and to the fans of NYCFC in general, I hope that we um, can get through the rest of this week. Um, and then uh, hopefully we have some uh, better things to talk about with you guys next week. Uh, hopefully we get a – I'm not optimistic that we can go into to Rio Tinto and get a get a result, but, um, I mean, I'm, I'm always going to have hope. But I guess it's the hope that kills you, right? That's the saying. That's the saying. Juan Carlos, you want to bring us home with your with your uh, final thoughts? Nothing. I mean, to my uh, to my point and to my way of thinking, I still think that um, we should be patient. I know there's not really enough room anymore for patience. Uh, the results are not clicking in. Um, we need a nine. To be honest, we need a nine. Uh, but yeah. Let's just see how far, like, hopefully we haven't hit rock bottom just yet. If, you know, it has to come down to making changes. Hopefully we make the changes soon enough. 
uh, when it's too late. You know? But again, keep supporting the team and you know just stick with the team. Uh, the good and the bad, you know, that's what real fans do. Yeah. Where, uh, where, where can they, where can our people find you on socials? Uh, socials uh, on Twitter, I think. Hold on. I still don't know my handles until <laughs> this date. <laughs> uh, Twitter, uh, Juan underscore C71. On Instagram, let me check that out. Uh, J.C at 09 underscore. And, uh, you know, if you want to support my podcast or my project, um, NYCFC Fireside. No uh, social media accounts. Yeah, definitely give give all the podcasts in NYCC Illuminati Nation a listen. Um, Fireside is is one of the newer ones along with us, and but but everyone's pumping out quality content, and it's all a passion project for people who are passionate about this club and want to get their opinions out into the stratosphere or the Twitter sphere or the potosphere. <laughs> um, anything else regarding this this game? Um, should have been a red card. That's about it. <laughs> Christian, final thoughts. I mean, I'm just going to repeat what Suki said. I mean, listen, we're going to be here week every week. We're not going anywhere. Um, um, I hope. Listen, I don't want to see anybody. I don't. I don't take pleasure in seeing my team play poorly. Like this has never been a case of of me like i've always valued the team's performance over me being right and i've never been happier in in my life to be wrong than like in the past where we've seen guys like domi torrent and ronnie dyla turn it around and turn seasons into something special i want this team to be good i want nick cushing to put his best foot forward and get our boys the points that we need and lead us into that promised land so i think it's going to happen no am i hoping like Am I optimistic about the possibility of him turning around and, you know, salvaging the season? No. Do I want to see it? Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, I'm a paying customer and I don't want to pay for dog shit. So, you know, like, I, I want this team to turn it around. Hopefully that'll be, you know, hopefully it'll be at Rio Tinto. I, I, once uh, We'll get into that this week. But, you know, uh, you know, listen, I'm blue. New York is blue no matter what. So... You know, I love this club, and I really hope that I, I hope that this is rock bottom. So that way, the the only way to go from here is up. What the fuck did you give me that sound bite for, Davi? <laughs> <laughs> uh, final thoughts. There is no patience. Get him out now. Get him out now. <laughs> there is no patience. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh but, you get, but you give him an air horn? God. <laughs> I, the, stan- the standard for this podcast has just dipped so, to an all-time low with a, within the span of a second. <laughs> no, not much to not much to really recap on that, to be honest. Yeah, just a bunch of cricket noises. Yeah, it's, it sums up this game, to be honest, a nil-nil. Um, yeah, I... I, I, I that, yeah, that's not a red card. So I can't wait to see Kevin O'Toole, uh, Hawk, Alfaro, and Stephen Turnbull. Stephen Turnbull as our back four next week as we get absolutely fucking slaughtered on the road. 
and then Cushing loses his job on the following Monday. So, okay, so you are hoping that we do bad next week. No, I'm just hoping that Cushing gets fired. Independent of whether or not he turns it around. Yes. <laughs> so, so even if he goes no, on and wins no, the record of no, the game. No, 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 no. If he, no, if he wins, then fine, he could stay. But I mean, like, he's not, he's not doing a good job right now. So, if he wins, good. But I mean, still, come on, like. All right. We 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 we, 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 we got to stop the bleeding. Like, we get, we got to get three points. My final thoughts are that this match was anticlimactic and rather boring. The first half was a lot better than the second half by NYCFC. I thought in the first half they deserved a goal. Um, they they were the better side by far. They were up for it. Second half, even my wife even my wife commented that NYCFC does not look like a second half team. Um, the second half was was rather poor. Um, but uh, I mean a point. I guess is good enough for now. Um, but it's every every point or three points that Nick gets is just biding him a little bit more time. Um, he needs to turn this around rather quickly if we're going to save this season. Um, and I don't think that he should rely on the possibility of reinforcements coming in July. He needs to start winning now with the team he has now because this is the team that he signed up for to be the manager of. So win with what you have. And if we get better players, then that's gravy on top but win now win with the players you have um and uh we will be back on wednesday to preview rsl so that should be fun enjoy the rest of your week and as always new york is blue oh god i'm gonna remove that shit